Well, 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 Chandler, welcome to Pop Apologist. Everyone, welcome to the show. I am very excited about today's episode, Chandler. Me too. I am coming off of a three-day weekend. Did you feel like it was Mm. a three-day weekend or is every day a weekend for you? I honestly didn't know it was a three-day weekend. Yep. There it is, folks. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm dealing with. I've got to be a corporate shill. And I also have to, you know, be in business with someone who, you know, every day is a weekend and every day is a beach day. It's not that every day is a weekend. (laughs) It's that I personally run my own businesses, Chandler. And so as an entrepreneur, I actually never stop working. Right. So I actually worked yesterday. So true. Yes. Probably pretty annoying for the people you were in business with, but (laughs) that's absolutely right along. I am so excited about this episode because there's so much to get into. There's so much happening right now. You guys, Chandler and I, we do not have big personal life updates. If you are on Close Friends, you saw her beautiful day in New York yesterday and her anniversary recap, which was super cute. You got into Fort Charles. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. You did say, oh, sorry. No, please. Sorry, I should let you talk on your own podcast. Um, you know, it's not, you know, we've gotten this far. <laughs> you did say that you sat outside for in 30 degree weather for an hour. Is that actually the case or did you that's, go somewhere while you waited? Oh my gosh, no, that's actually the case. So let me tell you, it's extremely hard to get a reservation online for Fort Charles. I have, I have been before, not to brag, that was through, you know, a friend of a friend's connection. And I didn't feel comfortable like asking for that. And also I think that we weren't totally like sure that we were even going to go to dinner on Monday night, but it ended up working out that we were going to go. So I decided to attempt to just wait outside because you can do that. Like it's not that they necessarily save space for walk-ins. I don't even feel like they would ever say that even, but some people have had luck waiting outside. The restaurant opens at five. Yesterday happened to be so cold. It was really one of the first truly freezing days in New York. It was 30 degrees, but there was wind. So it felt like you know, low twenties. Oh, hell, it was really hellish. In fact, I had spent yeah. the day going, you know, going around the city, like I posted about, and I got home and I was so cold, and I knew that I had to like leave in thirty minutes to then go back out to stand in the cold. So we got there like at like four o five. There was already another couple in front of us, like waiting oh, outside crap. the door. Okay, and I was you, just wait, like, Ugh. you got there at four o five. Four o five, and there was already okay. another couple. And by the time it was four thirty, there was a line. So it's not like you can just show up at five, put your name in, and no, then wait an no. hour. It's like no. you you wait for an hour on the chance right. that they'll let right. you in. Yes. And it's freezing. I would be like bundled up. I brought hand warmers. Like I Ben put hand warmers into my shoes because I was wearing like loafers and it was just freezing cold. To make the time pass, he went out and got snacks. Then he came back. I went to a bookstore for 20 minutes and he was like, why were you gone for so long? And I was like, I'm sorry. I just like had to warm up. I know you're stronger than me at things like this. And so here's the worst part though. Okay. So we wait in line at 440. They come out and they're like, in like 10 minutes, we'll be able to like chat with you and you know, whatever they said, we'll be with you in 10 minutes. So at like a 450 about the first couple goes in and then they are like, you know, emerge 90 seconds later and they get walked out like straight to the, like the like tables outside. They're, they're not actually outside. They're like in a little, a really nice parklet that's like fully warm and everything. Yeah. It like, feels like an extension of the restaurant. They look like little. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, people. Know. Yeah. Anyway, they get immediately seated and I'm like, it's going to happen. I'm we're because we're mm-hmm. right behind them. I'm like, we're for sure going to get a table walk in. 
do you have a reservation? No, we don't. Well, we are fully booked. You'll be at the top of the wait list if something falls through and you know, we'll, we'll text you. And I, I just, did you, in the moment, no, 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 no. In the moment I was like, sounds great. Thank you so much. Like, I'm not going to like be on my worst behavior in front of this host. I'm going to be on my best behavior. But then I proceeded to ruin the next 30 minutes because we went to a, a nearby restaurant to like get a drink. And I was just in the crappiest mood because I was like, no one's going to fall through. Like if you have a reservation at Fort Troy, right. you're not going like, to not, gonna not go. You're going to no show. And I just like, I started to have like a full blown meltdown, like, not meltdown, but I was, just, I couldn't bring Tantrum. my vibe back. And it was just like, where are we going to like, now we were kind of back to the drawing board with where we were going to go. It was mm-hmm. at that point, like fully just 5 p.m. And I had just mm-hmm. did not know where we we're going to go to dinner. And I, I, my hopes were just dashed. And mm-hmm. like, I was just like sitting in silence. And I was like, I probably shouldn't just like be on my phone. I should be talking to Ben about how like wonderful the last few years have been. And I just could not, could not turn my mood around <laughs> to the point where like Ben was got a little bit annoyed with me. And I was like, oh, really? And in my head, I'm like, you have to turn this like sinking ship yeah. around. You, like start to turn the boat, start to oh, turn Oh, I didn't the even boat. know you. I didn't even know you had those thoughts. Cause I've no offense, but I've been with you when you get into moods. I didn't even know that was capable. That you're capable. No, I'm self. I'm self aware, but I know that it's not going to be easy to turn it's it around. Really and I'm like, hard. I like. I mean, I'll sometimes you're a moody person as well. It's no, I've never pretend. been in a bad mood, and I feel like when you you sometimes with a mood, it's kind of like the Titanic and the icebergs. It's just you cannot turn that ship what around in time. About? Like name them, name them, name them. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't personally anyway, want to quit the podcast because we got into an explosive argument this morning. So let let's just pr- let's just proceed to the story. So basically, I'm tr- in my head. I know I got to turn the sinking ship around. None of the other restaurants sound good to me, but I'm like, I have to try to be like, I have to put on yeah. you know, a good face. So I like put my phone down because I'm like, and Ben's on his phone. We're kind of like passive aggressively on our phones because I've been acting up, and he, you know. So then right. I, I put my phone down because I'm like ready to try to just like, you know, figuratively splash cold water on my face and like become <laughs> a new person. And literally as I do that, he gets a text saying like, we have a table for you. Like, oh. please proceed over. I then proceeded to have to try to convince him that I was coming out of my bad mood and that that was going to oh. happen regardless of whether or not we got a table. And I don't know. I just, I'm just not good when my expectations are adjusted or have to be adjusted in real time. Sorry. No, I, I think that it's completely relatable and it's completely fine. I also think that Fort Charles is not a place where it's just very difficult. And I can completely understand feeling like, no, there's no way we're going to get in. Right. This is ruined. And it's it's hard and to resurrect that. It's really hard to resurrect that. Like also after standing outside for so long and having the couple in front of us just get instantly seated. Right. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so frustrating. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. I was ready like five minutes earlier than Ben was ready. Oh so we could have so it's his fault. First. He was too busy putting foot warmers in your loafers. Exactly. That's actually, you know. And I was starting to have problem. those dark thoughts about like, well, what, what your if relationship? you're ready more on time? And that's <laughs> when I knew that, you know, we were going to have to go to like couples yeah. therapy the next day if I didn't turn it around. So anyway, we made it. I'm grateful. It was a delicious meal. It was so good. So glad Ben got to experience it. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Happy that you've had, that you are three years in with Ben, with Mr. New York. I will say one thing I love about Ben, and then we'll proceed to the content, everyone, oh, thank is you. that I like that Ben will call you out for being on bad behavior and for having a bad attitude. He is absolutely not a Chan enabler. And that is a phrase I just coined. And I just really appreciate it. 
no, he's not an enabler of me. And it's really annoying because then I like apologize and then he'll be like, you know, is there anything I could, I could do to help you in those situations? And I'm like, it's just, that's even an annoying response to me because I, I, you know, it's just like shows once again, that he's like a more emotionally evolved person than me. Last thing I'll say on this is I just feel like you and I, we are people who, when it comes to anniversaries, birthdays, weddings, when we have these big moments, we really want the experience. Yes. We want the moment. And when we work for it, we very, very much get our hopes up and we can be yes. a little bit like birthday, anniversary, Valentine's Day, Memorial Day, Zillas. Labor Day, Zillas. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it is what it is and we are who we are, Chandler, but we do need to move on to the content today. So I want to talk about Ballerina Farm competing in Mrs. World because I feel like the internet is basically a flurry with conversation about this. And I personally know that I'm completely captivated. And I feel like it's a really complicated discussion to have. And I hopefully think that we can discuss it in a way that doesn't strike people as overly critical, but that we can engage in some critical thinking and evaluate how this content that Ballerina Farm is posting, that Hannah is posting, is potentially impacting women. And, you know, what really is happening like on our screens on this very, very famous Instagram account? Her content is so fascinating. And I think it really just hits different women in different ways. And I'm not saying that there's a good and a bad reaction to have, but I think some people like, watch her stories, see her posts, and they feel inspired. They're like, women can mm -hmm. do everything. Anything they set their mind to, they can give birth and then like, you know, win a pageant or compete in a pageant. And mm -hmm. then I think other women see her posts and they mm -hmm. think it's very annoying to see someone doing all these things when I can, you know, barely get out of bed. Maybe that's extreme, but I just think that like her content impacts people in very different ways. Yes. And I think that, I think it's important to realize that there are valid arguments really on both sides of this conversation, which is on one side, yes, it is totally valid for her to be sharing her experience and it's totally valid. Well, actually, let me, before I get into this, let me kind of sum up what's going on for anyone who's not avidly following along. Okay. And then I think get into kind of where people are at with this. So yeah. Hannah recently gave birth. She, it was her eighth child. And I think one of the parts of Ballerina Farm lore that really gets people and impresses people is that she's very kind of famous for snapping back really quickly um, and for seeming like her ability to heal and look very small after a pregnancy is almost immediate and filled with ease. And I think that that can be something that's really triggering for a lot of women whose bodies simply do not react the same way to pregnancy right. and to childbirth. And so she recently gave birth, did the whole birth story. We recapped it on one of our Patreon episodes. And then she is now just days later competing in Mrs. World Beauty Pageant. And the first content we got after the birth story is her trying on outfits for the pageant. It's her getting a spray tan, getting her teeth whitened, kind of doing the beauty pageant prep thing. Um, and or I knew this was coming. A Tuesday for me. <laughs> or a Tuesday for Chandler. I knew this was coming because I feel like it's a very good opportunity to create some viral content. And that really is her business, creating viral content. Um, she, I think she is for and foremost an influencer. And so to be competing in a beauty pageant mere days after giving birth, that is, you know, the perfect kind of viral content to create. So 
I knew this was coming. And when I looked at her stories that she first put up of her trying on the outfits, a part of me, you know, was conflicted because I felt like, is this Hannah just celebrating her body and loving herself and showcasing her beauty? Or is this like pretty flagrant and insensitive body checking by a newly postpartum mom? And I think to me, what struck me, Chandler, about all of these stories, right, that Hannah posted getting ready for the pageant was that there was a certain insensitivity to her viewers and to her followers, many of whom are mothers and many of whom are new mothers. And I feel like I get conflicted though, because I'm like, there's nothing wrong with being proud of your body. I'm the queen of a thirst trap. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But then I also wonder, you know, is there a conversation to be had about kind of these really flagrant, in my opinion, body checking videos days after giving birth when a lot of your followers are potentially new mothers? And it could like trigger them. And it could really trigger them. And is there a responsibility that you should have as someone who's putting content into the world to millions of people to try not to put out content that is going to trigger your audience. I mean, and this is kind of like an analogy I came up with, and maybe you can help me decide whether it's completely overdramatic or if it's apt. But I feel like it reminds me of when we all saw Kim Kardashian's 40th birthday party. She rented out the Brando in French Polynesia, which is a $3,000 a night hotel. That's the base room. She rented out the entire island, flew all of her friends there on private jets and you know, had this crazy party. Ordinarily, this kind of content would, I think, strike all of us as par for the course, right? For, with Kim Kardashian and ostensibly unproblematic. But she dropped it in the midst of COVID-19, right? When we were all quarantined, when the world was on a precipice of potential financial collapse, of so many people dying, it was a really dark time. So many people lost their jobs. They were losing their businesses. Also, I think the biggest thing, we couldn't spend time with each other, right? The social norm Mm -hmm. was to be social distancing. And so we were all felt very isolated and alone. And so to have a celebrity kind of throwing in our face her privilege to be able to have this experience at that exact moment, I think that it was rightly triggering for a lot of people and a lot of people were really critical of Kim. And I just kind of wonder if there's somewhat of a similar situation happening here where it's not that Hannah can't be appreciative of her body and her beauty and her ability to snap back so quickly. But if there's just a certain insensitivity to all of the new moms following her, that this just like isn't the time for that kind of content. I think what you're driving at is that it, there's a level of tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's a prioritization, I think, of one's own appearance over the feelings of the people watching and consuming your content. And I think that as we enter this world where content creators are really so powerful, they make so much money, they have as many people as a country following them, there's also a certain responsibility for what you put out into the world and what message it sends. And I think what kind of disappointed me, the message that I got was that chasing external validation and meeting up to patriarchal ideals of beauty, that's what was important at this moment for her. Not necessarily letting her body heal, taking it slow. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about 
coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my mm. clean simple eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty essentially, if you like the simply vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansimbleeats.com and use the promo code pop apologist for 10 percent off that's pop apologist for 10 percent off cleansimbleeats.com pop apologist for 10 percent off Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? <laughs> you know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned, cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. It's so funny. Like I was reading through some of the comments on her most recent post and so many of the comments are like, women used to go back into the fields after giving birth or cook dinner. Mm -hmm. Like people were saying, you know, I don't know how she does this. Like, didn't she just have a baby two weeks ago? And there were all these people who were like farmer apologists, or mm -hmm. I don't even know, like saying that, you know, women used to not even be able to, you know, spend time in bed. So, you know, it's just amazing that she's just like this pioneer stock, you know? Well, I think that there's a lot of comments that say, this is what a woman should be. I mean, there's a lot yes. of men in her comments yes. that are like, this is a real woman. Right, and right. I this is like the strongest of them all. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's really tough about that is what they're saying is, is that like the commitment to the male gaze, the commitment to patriarchal standards of female beauty. And, you know, the, I just want to say, I also read a lot that were like, this is what it means to be Mrs. American. You know, like this, like <laughs> USA, like this is a, a real American woman who gives birth, you know, takes care of her family as a devoted wife and also looks really hot. That's the subtext for me. Yeah, that's the subtext. And I think that it's a troubling standard to try to set. And I think that to me, it personally sends the wrong message. I saw this comment on Reddit and I think it really crystallized a lot of it for me. Okay. So someone said, I normally feel mild levels of snark toward Ballerina Farm, but this post made my heart sink. Setting false expectations like this for new moms, many of whom are struggling, is just cruel. Hannah, her mom and her sister have all given birth to full-on litters of children and have had their bodies bounce back to be slender. That's not an accomplishment. 
that's genetics. And no shade on fortunate genes, but shade on promoting it on an Instagram page followed by 7 million people where it demoralizes so many moms. Hannah also LARPs as a humble farmer while actually being a multimillionaire with a lot of hired help. She portrays herself as being like the wife in the good earth who gives birth in the morning and then goes to work in the fields in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's unrealistic. And the reality is that her body is still healing. It could actually be dangerous. For any new mom out there, embrace bringing your sweats in probably your second or third shirt of the day that at some point will be spit up on, being sleep deprived from feeding every three hours, while also trying to take care of your other kids and feeling immense mom guilt and all of the things you should be doing at the moment, but are just too damn tired. If this post makes you feel like you are not doing enough or not good enough, give Ballerina Farm an unfollow. I just feel like that kind of, for me, really crystallizes the impact and the messaging of this content. Yeah. I think that what the woman is speaking to in that comment is is what I'm sure so many women feel when they see that. Something I thought about as well. I think there are people who follow whose Instagram feeds like like where they crave relatable content. Maybe people who follow mm-hmm. us. I'm not sure. Like I think there are people who curate their feeds for relatability. And I think there are people who curate their feeds for aspiration. Mm. And and maybe people do a mix of both. I think I probably yeah. do a mix of both. You know? And I just think that that's just up to everyone, you know? And I think yeah. that if you're a person who gets more triggered by aspiration content, I think I am that person. I've unfollowed a lot of those people because it just, it it sends me to a more negative place more often than I want to be. So I'd rather have, mm-hmm. you know, more relatable, like, people in my feed. And I, yeah, I just think that Ballerina Farm is like a fully aspirational feed. Mm-hmm. Like, follow, right. if you will. I think that's such an astute point. And I think one of the the key takeaways here could be that it's so important for us to really be careful about the content we put into the world, yes, but also the content we consume, right? Like mm-hmm. none of us are forced to consume any of right. this content. Right. And so if you are putting yourself in a position where you're following all of these people who make you feel like shit about your life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is something that you can't control. And right. so I think that's such a good point, Chandler. I mean, I don't follow a lot of people. Like uh, mm-hmm. I don't follow a lot of celebrities or mega rich people because in fact, and I, I noticed the shift because pop apologist has a different type of follower or following. And I, I just noticed a shift whenever I switch back into that account because I, you know, I just know what it does to my brain. And so I, I'm going to follow people with like incredible lives. Like I'm going to be judicious about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, yeah, not going to be afraid to hit unfollow if it's like triggering to me. I think that's very smart. I think there's, there's a lot of other, conversations to be having because I I do think kind of back to Ballerina Farm, there's a whole discussion of basically like kind of the whole story and what they're doing there and maybe how unrealistic it is to other people in agriculture. And I think there's just so many layers to this, but I think that maybe we should save that for a behind a paywall because you and I are just much more comfortable when we are not speaking publicly. So I think that we'll table that. I had like a whole, I had all this other content prepared, but I'm now just like looking at it and I'm like, I just think it's better for it to be on Patreon. So I think that should we just move on to other content, other things going on this week? Yes. Let's move on to something else. <laughs> Let's move out of, of Ballerina Farm hot water. Okay. So another thing beyond this, moving right along, is that people are saying that Kylie and Timothy are fake. That, you know, Mm. what we saw at the Golden Globes, that moment was not real, that they knew they were on camera and Mm. people are like up in arms about it. I'll say it. Someone commented on our Instagram reel and was up in arms. And I did a little bit of digging 
to try to uncover mm-hmm. why this was contested by people because I felt like you and I were on the same page. You know, we're not Timothy or Kylie obsessed, but we were like, yes, this was a gorgeous moment. I'm so happy I was there to witness it. I was moved. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were both enamored with them we at were the both- Golden Globes totally enamored. And what I I think what we're seeing is that people are experiencing their parasocial like relationships slash ideas of these celebrities kind of like breaking down because I think Mm. that people idolize Timothy for being this like very smart, very serious actor, artist Mm. type. Mm. And people see Kylie as dumb bimbo and people Mm. don't want to think that Kylie is smart enough for Timothy and people don't want to think that Timothy is dumb enough for Kylie when in reality they both could be on the same level of smartness or the same level of dumbness. And I just think it's fascinating that that is what's happening. So let me just share with you a, a couple more details. So (laughs) there's this account called club Chalamet and it's a Gen X based super fan account in support of Oscar nominated actor, Timothy Chalamet. Stop. I'm I'm not kidding you. So, and some of their posts include, you know, here's how to send fan mail to Timothy and they give you an address and a phone number, you know, and people comment on there, you know, like, Oh, is George still his assistant or something? Like people who are obsessed know with Timothy. everything about this guy. So I want to read a statement to you that they posted in the wake of everything. I'm, and it's pretty I'm long. Unwell. This is I so funny. So I'm going to try to, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically here's, it starts with, although Timothy didn't win the Golden Globe for Wonka that he deserved to win, it was great seeing him attend the event as a nominee. The elephant in the room is obvious, <laughs> but all I want to say is that Club Chalamet remains devoted to supporting Timmy and his career. And I just want to enjoy writing and talking about the upcoming projects he has. It's a fascinating time to support Timmy because I suspect that the sequel to Wonka <laughs> will be announced very soon due to its phenomenal global success. It's the number one film in the country and it will pass the $500 million box office milestone later this week. This is huge. And it comes down to great storytelling and Timothy's outstanding performance as young Willie Wonka says a couple of things. Then it it concludes with buckle in. It concludes with what I want to stress to people who are feeling upset right now is that Club Chalamet will continue to curate specific news and information about Timmy's career and life to share with my followers and the readers who lurk. Timothy Chalamet is a 28 year old man making 28 year old man decisions about his life. And we have to accept that. What we can control is what we choose to focus on about him that brings us joy in supporting him. Club Chalamet is here to stay because Timothy is a remarkably talented man who works on projects that are compelling and incredibly exciting. (laughs) (laughs) They're saying the exact thing we were saying about Ballerina Farm. You know, you don't, you can consume the things that bring you joy. Yes. Go the things that trigger you. What you can control is experiencing joy with the arts and the works that Timothy Chalamet has, you know, taken part in. You can't control that he's a 28-year-old man making 28-year-old man decisions. I just love that the elephant in the room is obvious. But what I want to talk about <laughs> are his works. I love it's a fascinating time to be supporting to, like like the entire local locus, like center of these people's lives is this is, person that you don't know at all. I'm dead. So Hunter Harris, who's one of my favorite pop culture writers, brought this to my attention. And she's talked about how she, quote, luxuriates in every single one of their posts. And I think that the Timothy Chalamet fans are a specific breed of people, as you know, you've just experienced with me rereading their statement on the issue. And I think that they just cannot fathom that he would have anything to talk about with Kylie Jenner, let alone that they would be actually in love. 
Let, mm-hmm. let me read you another choice comment. Okay, ready? This is from yeah, I'm ready. Miscellaneous username underscore twelve. Imagine being a serious and loved young actor and having sold yourself out to the Car Jenner. It happens that in an important award ceremony, he becomes the main attraction of the night as laughing stock in a feud between women. I never thought I'd see Timmy brought all the way down to a car trashing level. Man, what a letdown! Oh my gosh, Chandler, I had no idea this sub universe of. I mean, I guess I should have expected, right? He has a cult following. Yes. And his his brand is being more like high art, being more indie film, being more of yeah. a serious actor. So I should have expected this more. I think I'm just honestly not... I don't really consume like extreme fandom content, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's just so funny to it's read hilarious. it. Um, well, and to hear how emotionally invested and how upset people are about him with Kylie like, Jenner. They're literally like reciting like the Lord's Prayer. Maybe it's not the Lord's Prayer, but like the serenity <laughs> prayer. Like what we can control is like, Lord, grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change. No, completely. And I think this kind of brings me to though, my thoughts on this, which is like, this is absolutely real because this is kind of bad for Timothy's career, right? Like his relationship with Kylie Jenner, he was already a list of the A list. He was already the mm-hmm. it guy. He doesn't need the publicity. He doesn't right. need to be adjacent to her. We're not talking about she's not dating Penn Badgley mm-hmm. who needs a career resuscitation. This right, is not right. she's not dating Timothy Shalamagu did not just recently st- star on Love Island, okay? And that's his only claim to fame. Like he has a glittering career. He does not yes. need her whatsoever. And so I think that unfortunately for these people, this is very much real because there's really nothing in it for him. Right. And as well, when it comes to her, she doesn't need him at all. She doesn't She's need a billionaire. Him at all. She's already A-list as well. So unfortunately for these two, they're star-crossed lovers. This is right, Romeo and right. Juliet, Chandler. It literally is. It's a modern day Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I also think that people just don't know what he's actually like. You know, they want to make him out to be this like brooding, artsy, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. they don't know that he doesn't actually like love just like partying at like Kylie's nice house and driving nice cars and, you know, having like gorgeous salad lunches in Calabasas. Like you can't tell me that that doesn't sound enjoyable to you and that they wouldn't have things in common. I think that it dispels their illusions and the idea they've built up in their head about Timothy Shalamagoo. And I think that it's actually fun for me to watch that castle they built in their head come crumbling down because that's right. absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So funny. Thank you so much for sharing. I had no idea. I had no idea. Let's get into this news article that came out that the queen was furious that Meghan and Harry named their daughter Lilibet. So I just want to read part of this article. I think we need to go directly to the source, okay? Let's go. Okay, so according to the New York Post, and the, the person writing this is some sort of royal insider who knew the queen. So, okay. you know, ground herself in that knowledge. According to this article in the Daily Mail, the author writes, many of the late queen's granddaughters and great-granddaughters have been proudly given Elizabeth as a middle name in tribute to the family's beloved matriarch. But Harry and Meghan went a step further when they called their daughter Lilibet, the very personal term of endearment for the former monarch used only by her closest friends and family. In fact, the queen was so upset by the Sussex's decision that she told her aides, I don't own the palaces. I don't don't own the paintings. The only thing I own is my name. And now they've taken that. 
Mm-hmm. One member of the late Queen's staff said that she was as angry as I'd ever seen her after the Duke and Duchess publicly stated that they would not have used her private family nickname if she had not been supportive. Okay, so that's what they said publicly, and I guess that infuriated her. So the Sussexes spokesperson said that after the birth, Harry called the Queen and he shared their hope of naming their daughter Lilibet in her honor. Had she not been supportive, they would have not used the name. The Daily Mail article continues, the then 95-year-old monarch was taken aback when she was told by her grandson of his intention to give his daughter the name Lilibet in her honor, but didn't feel, given the circumstances, that she could say no. You might describe it as being pushed into a corner. And that certainly makes sense when you now consider her remarks about palaces and paintings, which as well as most of her jewels, cars, and even furniture were never hers to own. She was, in most respects, simply the conservator of them for future generations on behalf of the nation. However, her pet name, Lilibet, which sweetly stuck after she could never pronounce her own name correctly as a toddler, was hers and hers alone. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's so, so cute. So cute. I think that- I get it. For, right? I fully get it. Before we fully dig in, this really reminded me of the scene in Harry's memoir when he talks about asking for Megan's hand. And I think what's what's very interesting about this is this is Her- Harry telling the story, right? And so this is what Harry reveals to us. So this is not a royal aide, a source from Kensington Palace, someone spinning, you know, something that's anti-Sussex from the palace. No, this is out of Harry's own mouth. So this is what he says. So the story is that I think they're in Scotland. The queen is, has no one around her, no security. She's like at Balmoral or whatever. And she's like out hunting pheasants or looking for dead birds. <laughs> queen. I guess that's what you do. <laughs> what a queen. Really, um, queen shit. <laughs> And um, she was alone without security. And so the Duke of Sussex writes, I tried to engage her in some light chat to loosen her up. The full seriousness of all this was finally starting to sink in. The moment was either the start or the end of my life. It would all come down to the words I chose, how I delivered them and how granny heard them. A little bit of context. Apparently he was told by courtiers that he had to ask permission from the queen to Mm -hmm. propose to Megan. Okay. So he, he continues, I needed to get to it without one more second of hesitation. I saw her waiting for me to speak and not waiting patiently. Her expression screamed out with it. So then Harry says, Granny, you already know that I love Meg a lot, and I have decided that I'd like to ask her to marry me. And they told me that, well, I have to get your authorization before asking for her hand. The queen replied, you have to do that? Yes, Prince Harry said. That's what your people have said in mind too. After what Harry describes as an agonizingly long pause, the queen replied, well, then I suppose I have to say yes. So the memoir continues. She felt she had to say yes. Did that mean that she was saying yes, but wanted to say no? I didn't understand. Was she being sarcastic, ironic, deliberately cryptic? Was she allowing herself a bit of wordplay? I don't remember my grandmother being a fan of wordplay, and this would have been the strangest time to start being one. Without mentioning tremendously inappropriate, Prince Harry recalls that he realized that the queen had given him permission to propose. He spluttered a thank you, and despite wanting to hug her, he helped his grandmother back into the car, and they made their way back. I mean, this bitch did not like Mm -hmm. Megan. No. Right? Also, I I didn't realize that Lilibet was her nickname that that they'd made up in her that like in her lifetime. 
I thought it was like, I, I don't know. I thought it was like just slang for Elizabeth. I thought it was the name her husband called her as a term of yeah, endearment. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was like an intimate nickname. Right, right. I wouldn't even want like my grandchild to be named like Chan. Like, oh, really? I feel like it's one thing to use someone's name, Chandler, but I think someone's mm. nickname on top of it is just like, I don't know. Do you know what I'm you know saying? What? It, no, I, I actually know exactly what you're saying because there's something about like your there's nickname a little bit being of, I, like, there's you. an intimacy and an essence of you. It's not like the idea of me, which I feel like is like naming someone after you. You know, James mm-hmm. has like your name as, as her middle her name, middle name. Mm-hmm. but like your nickname is like it feels like there's there's very specific IP there with like you as a person and the one time that you and that name existed. Yes, completely. And I think that happening at all would be aggravating and upsetting mm-hmm. and annoying and frustrating because all of a sudden there's, it's a kind of like, you know, if someone marries into your family and actually ha- and has your first name, like a woman. And so then she all of a sudden has your name. Like that's kind of right. annoying. Like, oh, I guess there's right. another, you know, Chandler yeah. Bledsoe or whatever. That's right. annoying. Right. But let alone, no, no, there's another there's another whoa or there's another mm. Coco. Like there's right, just something right. about it that's way too, you're right, co-opting of identity yeah, and annoying on just on a surface level or just like self-evidently. But then coming from a person who you are already annoyed or frustrated by, woo, st- I would have steam coming out of my ears. Distinctly probably like has made it very clear her feelings. I mean, she makes it clear when she will barely give him permission. And she says, mm-hmm. I suppose I have to say yes. Right, right. It's not a warm moment. It's not congratulations to her grandson. You know, it's none of that. Right. And so I was completely floored by this, but it makes so much sense. Well, and, and she's probably going to have people saying to her, how sweet is that? Isn't that so sweet? Like this poor child doesn't even know the freaking resentment she was born under. Oh, and honestly, like, I think that it all came at a time when it was just so rich because it was like, wait, I thought Harry and Meghan want to distance themselves from the royal family, mm-hmm. want to make it on their own, want to have their own identity outside of it. But they're going to, like, name their daughter the most clout-chasing royal name there could ever be. Lilibet Diana. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, the, the poor daughter does not deserve all of this. So right. she's the real victim here, as well as the queen. But I just think this is so juicy. It's pretty odious, in my opinion. Anyway, I just had to discuss it on today's episode. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off earlybirdcbd.com, pop apologist 20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor, try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it, earlybirdcbd.com. 
Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app. Okay. The other thing I want to talk about is our, you know, one Bravo moment of this episode. I want to talk about Beverly Hills. What did you think of this episode? I thought it was so good. I mean, I before we get into the more serious heart of the matter, I loved seeing Kyle with Morgan Wade. Mm-hmm. This woman is so attracted to Morgan Wade. I mean, she gets in the car. You can just feel the energy. You can feel the tension when she's doing her sound check. Kyle, like she has to go immediately and listen to Morgan singing. She's completely mesmerized. By the way, how good is Morgan Wade? I love Gosh. that they showed her singing because I hope this like will bring more people to her music because she's so good. She's incredible. Everything about her I love. I was just so here for the sexual tension between Kyle and Morgan. Right, that was right. just so fun to watch. Yeah. No, it was great to watch that. I want to go to a Morgan Wade concert, don't you? I need to go to Morgan Wade concert. Everyone, you need to give Morgan Wade a try, truly. But beyond that part of it, I really felt like this was just such an important episode because honestly, a few things that were discussed and showcased that I think are such important things. And I think this celebration of life for a friend that committed suicide, it is just, it's so important to discuss mental health, to celebrate people who've been driven to a place in- internally where they've taken their own lives. Like mm-hmm. it is just such an important conversation to have. Yeah, I found the episode to be very touching. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens on these shows and across seasons that is utterly meaningless, that is staged, mm-hmm. that is orchestrated by production, whatever, or, you know, that is varying degrees of that. This to me is why I love Housewives. This is why I return to it. And honestly, this is why I love Kyle. I think that Kyle shares real things going on in her life. Like, I I really mm-hmm. feel like she does. You say what you want to say about her not talking enough about Mo or whatever and what's going on. I Kyle does share a lot. She, mm-hmm. You know, even just like the previous episode where it's her and Kim having that like sad but sweet sister exchange about, you know, the state of their relationships. And Kyle, you know, really speaking so vulnerably about her friend, her dear, dear best friend, you know, who she's known her whole life. Like... I think that would be so heart-wrenching to lose a person you you are extremely close to and had been extremely close to, you know, and and I think too particularly with suicide, you know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just so tough to it's, to go through that. It's such a taboo topic. And so I think that you know a lot of people when someone commits suicide, they don't really discuss it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there's no funeral mm-hmm. because I think there's a lot of shame around it for the family. Yeah. There can be, yeah. unfortunately. And I think this was the part that really got me was she said, like, if this can happen to her, mm-hmm. this can happen to anyone. Right. She says, this is the person who is in my will, who would take care of mm-hmm. my money, right. my children. Right. This is the person I trusted to be mentally well, probably more mm-hmm. than anyone. And right. I think right. that was the part that was the most flooring about it is Kyle was so caught by surprise. And I think it just drives home a really important part about how 
It doesn't matter how many things someone has going for them or how well they seem. Anyone can go through a mental health crisis that sends them off a cliff. And it's so important to raise awareness about that and to have honest conversations and to, I guess, hopefully give people the tools to be able to bring themselves back from, you know, dark mental loops they can get in or, you know, I don't, I I don't even, I'm not articulating it well, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. Uh, I think also seeing Sutton talk about her father and like Mm -hmm. what she went through with him, you know, he he died by suicide and these women have been through real things. They may be Beverly Hills housewives, but they have been through really hard things. And I think seeing like, there was just this moment where Sutton, she said, I'm, it's so sad that he, he can't be proud of my children or something. And then she stops herself and she goes, no, I've learned he is so proud of my children. And I just saw like a very Mm -hmm. real moment where just like the work that she's had to do to like grapple with this and to come to a a slightly better place. And I don't know that that Mm -hmm. feels like even like the wrong turn of phrase, but I think that seeing like their real life struggles and I started crying when Garcelle was talking about when she said, you know, it's the finality of people who pass away and you know you don't get mm-hmm. one more phone call one more hug and I just right. like I was totally caught up and like I was like fully weeping and Ben was like what and I was like had my headphones on watching Real Housewives I love when these women go vulnerable and deep and like it's not like just like fake shit I feel like when I was a kid I really loved being around mom whichever she was with her friends because they would get into these long conversations at dinner and they would share all this like wisdom about life, you know, cause they had seen so much obviously compared to like me as a 10 year old, you know, them right. at 45, they had seen a lot of life and they had so many life lessons to impart. And they really got into like very juicy, but very real conversations right, about right. the things that people do. You know, I think about some of the conversations we had at Blackberry Farm when we were just kind of sitting around the table talking about things we had seen people do in their lives and the consequences. And I guess my point is, is like, there's really riveting conversations to be had Mm -hmm. about life and the struggles you can go through and the choices you can make and their consequences. And sometimes I wish that Bravo producers would encourage like more of that versus conversations right. at dinners where we're just kind of forced to like watch them fight over meaningless stuff. Mm-hmm. Like right. I would be so much more riveted by a show where like they were just That's doing captivating kind of, like, TV talk. I feel like even we got a little bit of that with ultimate girls trip with like Sonia talking about how she's mm-hmm. bouncing from couch to couch, you know, like we got, right. we get little glimpses of it. I think with some of the really like seasoned older housewives who kind of just like share everything. I love it when these moments happen because I think they're important and they're what like bring me back to these shows like over and over again. Especially I think women in their like 50s and 60s, they have so much wisdom to share because they've seen their friends go through all sorts of divorces and all sorts of things happen, right? They've seen friends get sick. They've just seen Mm -hmm. things play out. right? And so they just really have so much to offer. And I wish they tapped into that more. I wish that producers encouraged more of that and wisdom sharing than the petty drama. One thing I will say, kind of getting to the petty drama though. Yeah, yeah. I felt like it was very interesting when Anne-Marie was talking to Crystal and Garcelle on the couch and she brought up Sutton's esophagus. The most clumsy transition too. She's like, not to change the subject, but can we talk (laughs) about how, you know, Sutton's faking it? And can I imply that she has an eating disorder? I mean, I personally felt like that was a moment where I was like, okay, this is where we're going to see a woman 
do a deal with the devil. This is where we're going to see a woman make a extremely dark, damaging, horrible Mm -hmm. accusation on national television about a a flesh and blood human being. Right. We're going to watch her do that for her own acclaim, for her own Mm -hmm. ability to get Mm -hmm. famous, for her own ability (sighs) to be on this show, to please producers. She's going to sign a deal with the devil. And that's exactly what's happening in front of us. Right. And I just, yeah, I found that that scene to be really, really disappointing and really make me not like Anne-Marie. It put a terrible taste in my mouth. I mean, those types of housewives shenanigans can be expected. These, you know, deals with the devil, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. But at an event like, Mm -hmm. you know, like the one they were at, it is just so inappropriate and honestly is so low. And like, wow, you really like can't read a room or have no decorum to think, you know, maybe I should just like leave the produced like drama like aside for tonight Mm -hmm. and i think that yeah it was such a bad look i think it definitely backfired on her i don't think that anyone's had a positive response to it i mean even the way she says like you know you could say that to a lay person but if you you know you look like an idiot if you would say that to to a doctor and it's just like shut up you think you're so much better than everyone because you know you're a doctor you talk to your anesthesiologist friends or whatever and it's just it really rubbed me the wrong way i don't know i've i've been thumbs down on her even like since the dinner party where she was also trying to like spin the drama and you know we just met her yeah and i and i think that she's so new to this group and to already be insinuating that sutton has an eating disorder i mean eating disorders kill people eating disorders are very serious things (laughs) also excuse me talking about like a mental health problem, a serious mental health problem that is potentially fatal at a s- event centered around someone's suicide. Right, like, right. Are you fucking kidding me? Right, also, right. No, that's what I used to say. how about yeah. Two Crystal. Crystal? Right. Who Two Crystal, who has admittedly struggled with an eating disorder, has been so vulnerable and open to share about that. What the f- Yeah. And you could tell Crystal like seized up and was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like Crystal, yeah. who I rarely am like- that captivated by like in that moment i was Mm -hmm. like i was just glad that they were not down to throw down that both her and garcelle were like that's a really big accusation like they were just not down to get in Mm -hmm. it in the mud with her on a little bit of a lighter note i did love when garcelle was like this is beverly hills you can talk about people's ex-husbands you can talk about their (laughs) money you can talk about their jewelry you can talk about plastic surgeries you can even talk about their plastic surgery but you don't talk about their esophagus. Like that was just that for me. I was like, okay, Garcelle, I'm loving you on my screen. Thank you. You're a queen. That was incredible. She's incredible. I just, yeah, I do. I think Dorit is right. I do think she will sometimes strike a match, throw it on the fire, walk away. But I do, (laughs) I do kind of ride for her. I love her. I also want to say kind of getting back to a more serious note. I think that I loved Crystal's conversation with her husband because I felt like there's such an interesting conversation to be having right now about what Ozempic is doing to people's mental health or kind of what Mm -hmm. the kind of new territory we're in. Right. So, so Crystal was talking on last week's episode with her husband about how difficult it is for her, you know, having suffered from an eating disorder, having really trying to just get to a place of body acceptance of loving herself and, how it's very difficult for her now to be surrounded by friends who have become like rail thin because of Ozempic, ostensibly. She doesn't say that, but I think that's pretty clear to everyone watching. And I think there's such an interesting conversation we had around this. I'm privy to the online conversation in like the body positive community about how troubling 
these new weight loss medications are because, you know, we've done all this work as a society to embrace body positivity, to embrace, you know, loving yourself at every size. And then to see kind of celebrity after celebrity and probably person in your life after person in your life capitulate to just wanting to be thin, there can be something really mentally difficult about that to grapple with that. And I think that the thing I hadn't considered, but you know, now I'm considering because Crystal brought it up is just how difficult this probably is on people with eating disorders Mm -hmm. and people who are like, my life depends on me being happy in my own skin. Yeah. Yeah. And these are now essentially like tools that can help people have eating disorders. Essentially. Mm -hmm. I think there's such a profound discussion to be had around this. Do you see like Rachel Zoe? Did you see that post? No, I didn't there was a video of her and she just looks extremely thin and it's like honestly hard to watch. And I think she's always been like a thinner person who knows if she's on Ozempic or whatever. But I I think when we start to see people who look truly unhealthy and potentially they Mm -hmm. are using these like semaglutide, we're in a really, yeah, complicated place as a society because yeah, you don't want to tell people you can't do this. You have to stay a certain way, you know, just be happy but then also people can wade into really dangerous territory if they have like a predisposition, you know, yeah. to, to going into a dangerous place with it. And when you think my mental health and my physical health really depends on me embracing myself and that's what we were trying to do as a culture, that was the messaging. And now all of a sudden you're just witnessing so many people with their actions reject mm-hmm. that messaging and reject the idea that every size is beautiful and really aim for one patriarchal standard of thinness, it can be a really, I think, a head trip and really damaging to people who suffer with that. I think what she speaks about, you know, when she says, I am almost not paying attention because I'm so tuned in to thinking about my own body compared to theirs. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look into what semaglutide can do for a lot of people, it's, you know, it really lessens the food noise and it lessens Mm -hmm. that, like, that noise in your head you know, that is Mm -hmm. talking to you about food in your body. And I think that can be really powerful for people. And that can be like really freeing. But then Mm -hmm. I think potentially, like I was, I guess I was saying earlier, you know, for people who just have like, who have an eating disorder, it can send that noise, I'm sure, into overdrive, which would then send them into a a dangerous territory. And it's like, how does this tool fit? How does it work in a positive, productive way? I think it's just something that's in the wrong hands, dangerous, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also found her husband's response to be just like so annoying. What did he say? He was like, I think you're too self-conscious. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's also just like, I think her sitting down to have that conversation with him is just like, that's a conversation, honestly, you have with your sister or your mom. I, personally, to me, those those are female conversations for the most mm. part. Because like, I just, I just don't feel like a dude is really going to get that. And, mm-hmm. you know, right, that is a right, generalization. Completely. But here I go. You know, yeah. I went there. He he wasn't offering up any pearls of wisdom. Being self-conscious, that's not a succinct way to describe, you know, the true mental challenge of having an eating, eating disorder. That's right, like the right. biggest way to downplay that yes. experience <laughs> possible. And so, I mean, maybe he just didn't want to have a super direct conversation sure. about it on camera. Who knows? Yeah. But I think, like you said, like men just really don't understand the female experience in right. our bodies and trying to, you know, live in a world where we're set up to and whatever. I won't even go there. I just want to say for all the shit, I, we can talk about Crystal and how like how she doesn't always bring a lot to the table. I really respect her 
for talking about Mm -hmm. this this openly on camera you know it's like i mean so true the world now that she's a public figure like the people of the world the fans will hold her like accountable i feel like and maybe that's a weird way to put it but like you know if she were to suddenly i don't know maybe it's a way for her to like speak openly about it so that she is like just extremely self-aware and honest i don't know like rather than hiding it away I don't know. I'm I'm fumbling what, what I'm like experiencing, no, but you know what I'm saying? I personally think you're totally correct. Crystal is extremely wealthy, does not need this show, seems to have a very stable, happy marriage. So doesn't need it as a launching pad, a la like right. Neil Grammer or whatever. And so I think that she didn't need to get on national television and disclose something as vulnerable as having a severe eating disorder. And so you're right. I think we can give on this podcast, Crystal, a lot of flack for maybe not, not engaging in the petty drama and really Mm -hmm. not, you know, we barely hear from her because she's probably (laughs) above that. And so she won't do it. And so she won't, you know, vie for camera time by going low or by just, you know, getting into the nonsense, but you're right. Like the biggest value these housewives can bring is being vulnerable about difficult parts of their lives Mm -hmm. so that other people who go through the same difficulties, that they can feel like their experience is shared and they can feel like a sense of empathy, you know, as they're watching and they can feel less alone in their experience. And I think that's exactly what Crystal's done. So it's worth so much applause and you're, you're completely right there. So such a good episode of Beverly Hills. This episode has been a little more serious than our usual episodes, but I think it's all really important stuff to talk about. And I think it's yeah. important for us, you know, we have a lot of female listeners to try to 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 unpack grapple it. together with the world yeah. around us and unpack it in a hopefully a thoughtful way where we're respectful, but we're also thinking critically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I just want to send my love and light to Club Shalomagoo at this time. I know you're yeah. really going through it. And may God grant you the strength to accept the things you cannot change about Timothy Chalamago's love life. Chandler, thank you so much for that. That was beautiful. Amen, 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 and amen. All right, you guys, we'll be back on Patreon on Friday. Love you so much. Thank you for listening to Pop Apologists. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app.